Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. I'm Joseph, your host, Coffee Lovers Magazine. We're sitting at Conduit Coffee I'm with Jesse Nelson. Hi, Jesse. Hello. How you doing? I'm wonderful. It is springtime in Seattle. Springtime. Gorgeous. And your springtime blend's so delicious. Yes, the spring blossom. Yes, but we're not here to talk about that today. Today, we're going to talk about why we give a crop about our cup. Or more specifically, why we think it's important to give a crop about our cup. Because... Uh, well, you came up with this idea a while back where we were going to kind of interview people who have uh, close um, interactions with the production of coffee. Right. Or, or, you know, roasters to farmers to people who just interact that way. And why we should give a crop about their cup. Right. Just as an interesting way to, to learn about that sort of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the idea is just to have, you know, Give people a perspective of what actually goes into a cup of coffee because it's a tremendous, you know, cycle of right. So, well, we did this. We did this short episode before with Andrew, mm -hmm. um, and that was really cool. And we want to do more of them, but we thought it'd be great to just kind of give you a background on why we think it's important to give a crop about your cup and what that means. So, um, we're going to kind of dive into that. <clears throat> Where were we? Uh, I feel like we just had an intruder. April Fools, folks. <laughs> Those of you who listened yesterday, because I'm clearly going to edit and upload two episodes <laughs> back to back. That's your own April Fool. That's my own April. I'm going to April Fools myself. Yeah. None of this is going to go up. I'll put this up in a month, and we'll be like, uh, so some of this information is old. Yeah. Give a crop about your podcast. <laughs> Why we don't give a crop about our podcast, but we do give a crop about our cup. <laughs> well, Joseph, it's been a while, and it's good to see you. Yeah. That was a, that was a hairy situation. It was. That we had when we recorded last. I don't even know who that person was. No. Was that a person? I thought it was Bigfoot. It was something. Mm. Okay. Uh, cro crops about the cups aside. Um, and I, I've been trying to avoid the I word. I have zero crops to give. I know. I've been trying to avoid the word should because I just try to avoid the word should. But I, I, I believe for myself it's important to understand where the coffee comes from. Because... If I mean, if you if you don't give proper thought and consideration to all the effort that's been put into the coffee to the point where it gets to you, then then I don't know. It just it seems at, at the very basic level it seems disrespectful to all the effort that goes into it, all the people involved, like the the history right. of that and the future of that as well. And the future future is important. The future is kind of. Uh, I mean, it's always... I just, I think of that bumper sticker that says, you know, without farmers, there would be no food. You know, yeah. no farmers, no food. Um, and and the, this this disconnection between what we're consuming and where it's coming from is, it's, it's, it's getting wider and wider. And it seems that people are having a difficult time connecting the amount of effort that goes into making really quality food or just food in general. You know, I mean, there's still ranchers out there dealing with hundreds of thousands of head of cattle for McDonald's and places like that. You know, but when you get down to something like coffee, it's a it's a incredibly labor intensive crop to grow. It's grown long distances away, so there's incredible storage, uh, transportation, importing, and all those you know globalization kind of dynamics in there. And then it gets down to the roasters and then to the cafes and the baristas and everybody that's coming in and at that point, you know, a lot of coffee is just consumed for the sake of consuming coffee. And it doesn't matter if you're here at Conduit and you have us and our, you know, 
egalitarian, gorgeous, traceable coffees, or you're going to the grocery store and buying Folgers, like 95% of that chain mm-hmm. is essentially the same. You know, I mean, there's different companies involved, but it's essentially the same processes for growing the coffee and for the, you know, the environmental characteristics. Um, and it seems like if you don't, if you don't care about that, then then you don't you don't really care about the effort that's going into that, and therefore you you won't give a crop about the people that are involved at that level. Um, and so the more that you can think about the coffee that you're consuming, and it doesn't matter what kind of coffee it is, but the more that you are just aware of what the process is going into that, the the more that that benefits the whole system, um, and inherently it, it adds to the education of the consuming the consumers and you know the market out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting as you were as you were talking about that. I um, it's kind of solidifying in my mind just how uh, powerfully our culture hides like everything aside from what's in front. Right, and, and that goes for a lot of things in, in society. Like people mostly just pay attention to like the surface right and it's so easy to only see that and only digest that and and that's like the only thing that matters but there are of course many elements of our society where that's become a problem right um for beyond coffee the social political right and that's a real trend and i think i think food's a perfect metaphor food in general um and especially in you know america started off as a very much agrarian society you know thomas jefferson talked about the yeoman farmer and being the root of uh the democratic movement you know and 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 people owning land as part of this um you know so that that connection to land and where our food is coming from was a i mean that was the essence of of you know people living together and forming these societies in a lot of ways and then there's been a real trend to kind of push away from that you know now that we have three quarters of the population in america living in cities there's barely any population out there in the farmland, and the more that that's become mechanized, the less we know about our, our food. We can say that we're eating healthy, you know, or that we're vegetarian eating soybeans, but we don't know about the mono-agriculture, we don't know about the people involved. And the idea of healthy is so distorted now as well. Right, exactly. And so there's so much commercial aspect to that, that it's really, it's all designed so that, I shouldn't say it's all designed because I'm getting too hyper-political here, but there's a certain design in the system that lets people... Um, for, like what you said, gloss over everything that's the backstory. They just, you know, it's the the capitalist it's, side is really designed so yeah. that we just consume without thinking about and that. It's not stuff. intentional either, really. It's no, just, I think some of it is. I mean, like, I think there's certain environmental considerations that are purposely. Well, I would hidden. I would say it's it's a it's a factor of um, like I, I wouldn't say it's any one specific intent, no. but as as like for instance, as a marketer, um, uh, my job in, in my business is to um, not just inform you who are listening or reading the magazine or anything like that, but to paint this particular story. And I paint it in a way that you have this experience and that's what that's what that is. Now, the experience that you have in a cafe is so far removed from the production of coffee that it can be really um, detrimental to try to bring that in. So right. how do you connect the dots? I don't know. Um, I mean, Interestingly, well, I think that's another important part of it. Not to interrupt you, but no, no, no. The important part of that is also, you know, the part of that chain of, of bringing that coffee to you is the barista. It is the cafe. It is the style of the ownership of that, you know, in the neighborhoods and all that kind of community appeal to a cafe. And that 
that in itself is a big part of that chain, you know. And so caring about where your coffee comes from comes from also means you're caring about the people that are making that, you know, and handing it to you. And if you're only going to McDonald's to get your coffee, you know, then then you know it's not going to be made by people that give a crap about where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Generally, you know, I mean, there's 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 that real disconnect if you if you don't interact at that that level. I wanted to bring up Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think we've we've talked about this like in a really yeah. early episode. It's been a year since uh, he said that to me. <laughs> I think have have we ever brought this up? We may. Have. I know you and I have talked about. It. I can't yeah. remember if it's on a podcast, but um, it's it's a great meta. I mean, it's a great framework for talking about this. We're talking about we're talking about all of this this like view in society where where people get you know this this sort of surface view that society builds and how food is a good metaphor and and food is in the the in Maslow's hierarchy is the physiological level and that's the most base level. Right. Um, so perhaps this is kind of a sidebar I guess but it's an interesting thought. Perhaps addressing how you approach your food approach your understanding of food including coffee the things you drink mm-hmm. of the kind of the most basic needs can vastly improve every other part of your pyramid as well oh absolutely i mean i and that's you know that's that's almost word for word i think what the slow food movement out of italy calls it you know it's just like look slow down and enjoy where you're eating doesn't mean necessarily you have to change everything they're eating but just you know make it by hand buy it from people that are making it by hand or you know be participatory in that system because if you just accept what it's given to you then you don't have any control over that you know and so we definitely see in a lot of our a lot of our foods all the preservatives and all that stuff that's added because we don't give a crop you know we don't care that it's been sitting out in the shelf for 12 months longer than it should it's easy with coffee to have this perspective that you are having the best like if what you have had is the best that you've ever had then that then maybe this is the case for a lot of things because this is a real basic kind of statement but if what you've had is the best that you've had and you're not aware of anything else that's better, then that's the best that there is. Right. But certainly in coffee, people get really intently insistent that what they have is the absolute best. Or what they're used to. should be. Right. And that's something, especially in America. I mean, that's for decades, decades, we've had the same coffee. You know, it's... it's, My mother made Folgers. Right. You know, it's it's heavy Are on the Brazil. It's not he- good. <laughs> it's heavy on the Western Hemisphere coffees. You know, there's not a lot of interest in there. It's it tends to be uh, darker roasted to kind of make up for the differences in, in the beans and the blends and stuff like that. Point of interest: my mother did not drink folders. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Sorry. So there's in coffee. There's a, there's a decades of this um, kind of presumption that. That this is just what coffee tastes like. I mean, as a wholesaler, we get this all the time. It's like, well, we like navy coffee. You know, I like dark, dark coffee that's made on navy ships. And it's like, well, that's cool. That's made in giant cafeterias using, you know, outdated brewing methods and brewing techniques with outdated farming techniques and, you know, outdated companies because it's cheap, you know? And that's why the navy serves it because they're, they're going through a lot of coffee, you know, tons and tons and tons of coffee, literally. And... You know, they need something cheaper, and they're not here to provide specialty coffee to their mm-hmm. sailors. They're here to provide, you know, national defense. Yeah, and, and, and that's, so, that's and, giving them the caffeine that they need. Right, right? and I know we've, we've yeah. talked about this, though, but, I mean, Stumptown opened their roaster in 2006 up on Capitol Hill. That was 10 years ago. Yeah, it was. And that 
shook up the whole city of Seattle as far as single origins. Really, I mean, it's not like people hadn't thought about single origins before. There wasn't good coffee available in that specialty coffee, but that market share went from, you know, one half percent probably in, in 2000 to mm. whatever it is now, closer to 10%. And so you have a tremendous growth in people actually giving a crop about it or at least finding flavors that they're finding more enjoyable than the grocery store coffee. Well, know, but that's a new trend. I mean, yeah. the vast majority of the market is... Um, is this cheaper, darker coffee. Mm. Majority of our sales are our darker roasts and our blends because that's what people are interested in. That's what our systems are based on, on that consistency and those flavor profiles. Well, there's also there's also a level of what people are, are comfortable trying. Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard, I think, for people to try new things in coffee without knowing if it's going to be something that they're going to enjoy at all. Well, right, and that's the thing. It's so, something we're trying to address. So you have this, this, you know, this, the status quo of American coffee, mm -hmm. and then you have this new pendulum swinging the other direction towards a specialty coffee. So you have people that want navy coffee, telling, you know, getting told that that they need this other specialty coffee, and they go and taste it, and it's, you know, it's a natural process or retail or something like that, and they're like, whoa, that tastes like blueberries. It's light roast. It tastes more like tea doesn't go with milk, you know, and so they're like, no, that's not what I like at all, you mm -hmm. know, so I, I feel like the industry is actually swinging back towards the direction of, of like, mm -hmm. roasters are kind of coming back in the direction of providing, you know, providing more services to the people that aren't necessarily looking for those kind of exotic flavors. Maybe that's what it is, you know, this, this, it's getting confused between the exotic flavors and just giving a crop about it. Well, you know? I, so, I would say that, that just aside from the, um, the, the moral or the ethic ethical implications of caring about where your coffee comes from. Uh, I know that once you have coffee that's made well, it's really hard to have coffee that's not. Right. Because the and that rec the recognizing that it's that process yeah. that, that it's just once you recognize that that, that it's like getting a new coffee it's maker. Like, it's like oh man, my old coffee maker was so was, crappy. It was dirty. Yeah. Yeah. It's like because it's dirty. Or it getting new brewing at 180 degrees. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like a new Get car. Get a new bed. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, was I sleeping on that the whole time? What <laughs> That's the That's how heck? I feel with my shoes. Every time yeah. I get a new pair of shoes, it seems like I would know this. Was I walking on those? Oh my gosh. That's why my knees hurt. New socks are... Everyone loves new socks. If you don't love new socks, Stop what are you doing? Yeah. Just... Go give a crop about your socks. Go give a crop about your socks. That should be... <laughs> anyway. Um, we have a lot of side projects. If no, okay. Wants so I think, I think that... Um, yeah, side projects... We yes. always talk about our ideas. I yes. think they're and more enjoyable to hear about than actually do anything about. There are there are people. Let's see. I'm going to start googling sock companies. Okay. There um, are custom sock companies. I've looked it up. There are. They're gorgeous. They do. I think that a lot of that that ten percent just comes down to people who have an interest and respect in well-made things. Like once you have something that's just well-made, it's really hard to go back to having things that are not. And it's just being exposed to the right well-made things at the right. right time that make you go, oh, I don't really like this other thing. Right. I mean, that's true with shoes, things like yeah. that, cheaper shoes, stuff. That's Back why to cheaper socks. I wear um, these all the time now. Those are nice. Yeah. Yeah, you should show that to the microphone. I should. Actually, I need to oil these. Um, those are very nice boots. Thank you, sir. I have Birkenstocks and socks on because I live in Seattle still. Yep. <laughs> Um, well, that's that's another point too. Is this idea of craftsmanship? You know, there's and that that's something that's kind of gone to the wayside because it, it for a long time it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't cool to build your own stuff. It was better yeah. to buy it and then work you know work work for money to buy stuff 
And so there wasn't a lot of, of craftsmanship going into this. You know, you see woodworkers and, you know, they take it, the shop class has been taken out in most schools, you know, unless you're in a Votech school. Um, and that, that kind of appreciation for mm-hmm. for handmade goods that are made mm-hmm. by hand. And, and we deal with that at Conduit because we're very hands-on here yeah. with everything. And we're like, even today, we're building out new walls. And, you know, I mean, it, it takes time. It takes a lot of effort mm-hmm. to build something yourself. And so... You know, same with brewing coffee yourself. There's an effort that goes into that. But I think once people discover that, it's almost like an endorphin rush that they realize that there's so much yeah. better stuff out there. I think, um, I definitely think the handmade part has a lot to do with it. But um, I think even more so, it's it's less it's less people thinking. I, 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 I want to say it's less people thinking I want something well made. And more like, and this is why you see so many people who they'll go for your darker roast because they'll have grown up with this um, Folgers or canned Colombian or something like that coffee that's that's like long past the date of vibrancy that's been ground way before you got it. Mm-hmm. It's got so little left in it. It's burnt. It's just, but it has. It has that sort of darkness and richness, and mm-hmm. people get people get used to that sort of interesting thing. And then they have good coffee, and and what you find after you have the good coffee is that you can tell that the old coffee is old. It's ground way too soon before you get it. Mm-hmm. It's roasted a long time ago. It's lost all its vibrancy, but you still kind of want that chocolatey nuttiness. Right. It still and that darkness works with milk, and deepness, and you fits want to with put, sugar. Yeah, fits with the routine, sugar in. right? And that's exactly, and so we never try and, you know, like, condition people to want something different. I mean, I would love yeah. it if everybody wanted specialty coffee from Ethiopia and everything like that. I mean, it's beautiful coffee, in my opinion, but our dark bro sales keep going up. You know, people mm-hmm. really enjoy that, and I take a lot of pride in that we have a nice dark roast because it's not like we're cheaping out on our coffee, which has been a lot of the trend in the past, but that, you know, it's a palate, and our customers, you know, want that heavier roast, you know, and, and teaching them to, to care about that. And they don't necessarily need to know all the origin information of where the coffees are coming from. We can certainly provide that. It's all very traceable, but it's really just about, Hey, you know, this is, this is coffee from a small local company. You know, it's not Folgers. And, and so it's worth a couple dollars extra a pound or whatever. Um, and and that's that's a trend that's growing quickly. There, there's certainly there certainly is a real interest in supporting local business and supporting actual people and the the relationship that happens there. Um, and and that kind of brings us back to the the why you should give a crop about your cup sort of thing. It's it's to me it's the relationship. Right. Like I I like when I get a cup of coffee. I like to think about the the strain and the effort and the years that the farmer put into bringing that plant to that right. point where where they're picking ever so delicately the perfectly ripe cherries by and hand. putting them by hand and putting right. them through very specific process and should we go through the process of coffee right now we don't need to do the whole that's thing that's a whole other episode that is a whole other episode and in we'll fact do that next this will be showing that will be showing up in uh, in uh, the next issue which will be out. Oh, in your magazine. Yeah, which will be out probably after this episode right. if I get this edited in time. But it's tremendous. I mean, just the difference in agriculture, you know, and, and the big automated lower elevation farms on flatter land, you know, which is why Brazil is so big for the automated 
coffee industry. Is, well, Vietnam, you know, they have these that's like Vietnam right there. Right, exactly. These tractors that are coming through, uh, Robustas, you know, they're growing in flatland and stuff like that. Versus the Yemeni coffee that's grown on, you know, that is so amazing. Eighty degrees, valleys it that slopes it's like, like that for like a mile. You, you people actually, how do you pick that? I don't yeah, know. it's nuts. Yeah. but so you have the automated systems that can go through and shake all the cherries, and you have a few people kind of picking that out, and then it all just gets roasted, and so all the defects are basically just roasted away. Um, versus the hands-on specialty coffee, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they're picking every ripe cherry and they're sorting it and they're placing it where it needs to be, and yeah. I'm rambling now. No, I mean that's that's right. I mean if if it's much more than being romantic about it. If you're being, not like yeah, it's much more about just caring for all the hands that are lending themselves into that cup of coffee in your hand. Doesn't matter what it is, but there's you know a tremendous amount of people involved in that that system. There's there's certainly recommendations I'd make to people if if you're I mean if you just want caffeine and you want it in coffee form then, you know, there are certainly very efficient ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. Very efficient and cheap ways of doing that. If you want some kind of... I've got two on the top of my head. I'm not going to mention them right now. But, um, you know, there there are companies out there that, that work with coffee and they specialize in um, not the... I'm going to say they specialize in not the flavor and craft of coffee. They specialize in other things, and and uh, you know some of them do a really good job with craft of coffee. Some of them do the best that they can with what they have, um, but their goal is uh, caffeine or you know enhancing your performance in other ways or this sort of thing. Uh, versus, uh, you know, we're obviously coming from the point of view where we're really fascinated and interested by the deepness and richness that coffee can right. provide and the craft that goes into that and all the people involved and that's that's why that's why I think right you should get but like I said like 90% anyways. of that supply chain is still the same yeah. types of you know same it's, origin it's countries all, it's all a lot people, of the same people in there it's all people living their lives making a good thing yeah. um, I mean if you if you want to just drink your coffee and not think about it then that's cool but uh, I'd encourage you to just just think about other people in the world. Yeah. Think about me lifting a sixty-nine yeah, kilo if, bag at six thirty in the morning. I suspect stuff. if you're thinking, if you're listening to us, you probably are. But uh, thanks for giving a crop. Yeah, thank you for giving a crop. And we're gonna bring you some more crop. Why you should give a crop about your cup episodes, hopefully in the future, yep. uh, shorter ones where we go find yeah. people. And if anybody has any questions, please email them to you. Yeah, email uh, coffeeloversmag at gmail dot com. Um, I'd love to hear from you. So would Jesse. Ooh.